Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you for that prayer, because that is my heart's desire. And I want to want to thank. It's going to sound funny. The Lord laid it on my heart. I want to thank all of those who don't believe, all of the haters. I want to thank all those who disagree. I want to thank all those who take the time to make comments, to send me emails, to send me texts. I thank you. And I don't even know why I'm looking at you guys. I should be looking in the camera. I thank you because the Lord has said that it is you and upon your back that he is building my voice and that we'll do his will. That's not the reason he wanted me to say it, though. He wanted me to say it for this reason. You are held accountable for everything that you hear. Whether you believe it or not, truth is truth. And if what the Lord speaks through me is him, it is truth, and understand you are held accountable for it. That may or may not play out in the landscape in which we live at this moment, but it will play out. Because God is a God of righteousness. He is a God of holiness. He will do his will regardless of the pushback. So I thank you. But I urge you to seek him. Don't seek tradition. Don't seek human understanding. Seek him. Because he promises if you seek him, you'll find him. Things that may not make sense will make sense as you seek him. As you open yourself up with your yes to things that he wants to show. He's not the one who has put barriers around you. You have. The common phrase of putting God in a box is wrong. Because it's really you putting yourself in a box. Not God. God can't be boxed. He will move forward with his will regardless. And that is what I trust in. I understand fully I am accountable for everything that I say. I understand that. But please know my heart. I also understand I am fully accountable for what the Lord tells me to say that I don't. And I will not have that for my life or my family or this work. We will do what he says. We will move how he says to move. Yes. Because it is not us moving. It is him. Yes. It is him moving in us. So thank you. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you for watching. I pray that you continue. I pray that you share it with everybody. (laughs) Because your comments don't hurt. Me at least. I just pray that you see truth. I pray that you see his love. I pray that you see his will. So I thank you. This morning when I was with the Lord, and really this whole week, was leading up to it, but this morning when I was with him, he very specifically gave me a word. And what I don't know is when I am to release it, it's a very heavy word. It's been heavy on my heart all week. I didn't know the the wording. I didn't know exactly what he would want, but he gave it to me this morning. So I asked for your prayers. I asked for your prayer on his will and his timing. Because I don't want to pray early. certainly don't want to pray late. I want to release a word in his perfect timing because that is his plan, not mine. I don't desire my plan. And I thank Wendy for praying over me this morning and Lex prayed over me this morning. But I ask others as we move through this service, through this message to pray because I want his will. I am going to share a word, though, that was given to me this morning through somebody else that is here, an unlikely voice perhaps. I, I won't mention who it is at this time, because people online won't, won't know anyways. But I know this word was for me, and it is for the church. It is for this remnant. So I'm going to read it. And it was an encouragement to me. And I trust it will be an encouragement to you. I am empowering you to be more than you could ever have imagined. My bride, my church, my remnant is ready. I see what you are going through and now it's time for that to end. You are ready to fight the battle that you have been preparing for. You are my army rising up. The rising is over. The battle has begun. The encouragement of that statement is him moving forward. The encouragement is not necessarily the battle and what we have to go through in that battle. Or, even more, what many will go through in that battle. The joy is him moving forward with his will. You know, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, that's all that chapter talks about. Is those who never received the promise that they sought after and clung to their entire lives. And that was that city built by God, right? 
And we've, we've gone over that. I'm not going to go down that road. You can look up old pot. By the way, I want to say this too. I forgot. Lord told me to at the beginning. And I say this for you online. There will come a time where Facebook takes us off of Facebook and YouTube takes us off of YouTube. Um, the enemy can't silence God's voice. But I do want to say, because so many do listen on Facebook, so many listen on on our, um, on, we have two YouTube channels. We have it under Ignition 633 and then also under my name, P. Gregory Twiddell, I think is what it is. But, but both those platforms can be shut down very easily. But what I don't expect to be shut down is what I want to encourage you to go to if those do get shut down, or you could even start watching it from there now. And that is from directly from our website, which is ignition633.org, O-R-G. And it has the weekly podcast on there. It has the live Sunday morning with, with everything we do live. Um, but I, I did want to encourage you in that if and when that happens. But this... This will that the Lord is doing, this fight, this battle that he is doing, is a source of encouragement for those who trust him. For those who trust him and know that his desire, think about this, his desire is not just for us to live some quasi-good life that we could think of in this lifetime, in this realm, just getting by until we can one day just be with him in heaven, whatever that means. Most of the church has no idea. The world absolutely has no idea. But his desire is his kingdom to be manifest here. It is that city whose foundations are built by him that we've talked about many times. That's his desire. Now, because this realm, and specifically the land of the earth, is dominated and, I don't want to say owned by, but, but has the authority of the enemy all over it, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. So there is a battle that has to ensue before he can build the foundations of that city. That is the battle that we're in. That is the battle to take land. That is the battle. And what I mean by that is to take land in the spirit. To take land from fallen spirits. And that land and authority of that land being given back over to God for the sake of his bride. That's the battle. That's what we have been talking about. That's what all the prophets have been prophesying about. That is the battle that we are now stepping into in this shift. Now, in a battle, there's preparation. And then there's action. We've moved past 
the preparation stage. And now we have moved into action in what the Lord is doing. But it boils down to our own individual choice in who we are going to believe in in our own yes and what that really means when we give it. When we give our yes to Jesus, do we give it with condition? Well, yes, Lord, do, do, do your will. I use, man, I prayed this for years and years and years. Lord, do your will, do your will, do your will, while at the same time I put parameters on his will. And we've all done that. Well, God would never blank, fill in the blank. We've all said it. We've all thought it in our minds. God would never do this because his, his scripture doesn't, doesn't teach us that. That, that's an old thing. That's just, that's the God of the Old Testament. That's the God of, of the, the New Testament when the apostles were alive. That's, that's not for now. For now, we are just to get the crap beat out of us and just hold on and endure until we die and we get to be with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry. How sad is that? How sad is that? When Jesus says, I am offering you the authority now here on this earth, so the glory goes to him, literally what he paid for. What he paid for is not being purchased by his bride. What he has already paid for, we're not taking delivery of it. And it's, it's bought and paid for. The city that he wants to build, this remnant that he wants to turn into a faithful bride. It's time For us to take action on that. And that action is on our knees. That action is in our hearts. Where our yes really means yes. And not maybe. And not yes, but. Or yes, but maybe later. Yes means yes. The Bible teaches that. Let your yes be yes. Follow through with what you promise. Not just to each other, but to God. Follow through with what you promise to God. He took me this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to pick it up at verse 26. But this, just before this, it's talking about how, you know, the tabernacle showed the relationship that God had with mankind prior to Jesus' death on the cross, right? There was the tabernacle that had the Holy of Holies, then it had the veil, then it had the the holy place outside. So nobody could go into the Holy of Holies except for the high priest once a year. 
And they even tied a rope on his foot just in case he was bad and he died in there and they got to pull him out. Right? Nobody could access God. Nobody could access the Father on a personal level at all. They could pray to him. That's, that's different. Praying to him is different than relationship. Relationship is a two-way street. Relationship is back and forth. So when Jesus offered his blood as a permanent sacrifice, that veil was torn from the top. He became that door through the power of the Holy Spirit for us to access the Father, for us to access God. And, and that, that's what it's talking about. I'm just kind of giving you some background here. So it says we can go boldly before him. As we know him, as we have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and his, his blood covers our sin, we can go boldly before the Father, building relationship back and forth. That's what he desires. That's what Jesus died for. So that brings us up to where we're at here. Verse 26. The writer of Hebrews, whom I believe is Paul, but the writer of Hebrews says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Now, by the way, chapter 6 talks about this in Hebrews and chapter 10. That could be very confusing chapters. The, the people that do not believe in assurance of salvation jump all over this and say that, yeah, see, you can lose your salvation because you can't go to it a second time and blah, 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 but whatever. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, if you believe you can lose your salvation, please explain those verses to me. You can't because you can't lose it. So when we go before him, we can have this full assurance of going before him, but if we do deliberately keep on sinning, understand what that means. Not, okay, well, by choice, I'm going to keep with this affair that I've been having. I'm going to keep looking at this pornography. I'm going to keep going down to the casino and betting, whatever. Those are obvious things, yes. But how about the ones that are not so obvious? I'm going to deliberately not believe because of my own pride. Because of my own pride to win an argument. Because of my own pride to not let in the Holy Spirit that will expose everything. Lack of faith is as much deliberate sin as anything else. When you are exposed to truth. If you're not exposed to truth, that's different. But when you're exposed to truth, whether you receive it or not, whether you believe it or not, you're commanded in Acts 17.11 to be as the brilliant. To receive it with an open heart. In other words, receive it, go to God seeking Him because we'll find Him if we seek Him and say, Lord, is this true? Show me. Having a true hungry heart for truth. Not, 
Lord, I don't believe this is true at all. Show me how I can fight this. Isn't that how so many seek God? Trying to fit God's answer into what they feel comfortable with. But if we go on sinning, even a lack of belief, a lack of faith, it says there's no more sacrifice for sin. Jesus isn't going to come and sacrifice again so that could be covered. Now understand what's really going on. For the purpose of your eternal promise as a Christian, when you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and believe in Him as the Messiah and believe in what He did and where He is, and you receive Him, you become His child. That's obvious. What's more obvious is Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. When that happens, your spirit is stamped. In fact, the Greek word there is like a ruler's signet ring. That once it is on that mark, it can't be changed. So your salvation, your justification of sin, cannot be taken away. That is not what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. And that is the biggest confusion amongst the bride because, and I could say this with authority because it was where I was at for 40 years. They look at this and they equate everything with justification of sin. The very thing that out of the other side of their mouth, they say, I do nothing. God did everything. Which is true. Absolutely true. But you have to cut out probably half the, half the word of God, especially probably three quarters of the New Testament to say that you don't have any responsibility in this. Because we do. Do we have responsibility in our justification of sin? No. Apart from accepting him, we do nothing else. It's done. It's sealed. Our future is guaranteed in the promise of receiving heaven. That's done. But the relationship that the Bible calls sanctification is different. That's where there is a lot required of you and me. That's where our yes is required. Required for what purpose? For the purpose of the promise of heaven? No. It's got nothing to do with that. That's the baseline. That is kind of like the entry card. No, it is for the purpose of building relationship for all the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the hope that He gives us. It's also toward When we do it by faith here, when we see him face to face, there will be rewards for that faith. So what it's talking about here when it says there's no more sacrifice for sin, he's talking about relationship and the cost of deliberately sinning against that relationship. Let's go on. 
So there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Now, people will look at that and say, see, that's talking about hell. No, it's not what it's talking about. In fact, if you really look at it, that's pretty obvious. Because it doesn't say a fire that will consume you. It says, let's read it carefully. Remember, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I'll be honest with you. Until I got to the point where I am in my life right now and the Lord has shown me what is going on in this world, i got to tell you, I don't know that I fully understood what that means. But I do now. Because if you do not believe, you will be caught up in his purification of his bride. You're going to go through it one way or the other. And I'm speaking to his bride. The judgment of deliberate sin is that we place ourselves in the position of collateral damage. Right? If there is a target through purity that the Lord targets, that you go and you hang out with and you are a part of and that that encompasses your life, do you think there's going to be damage to your life because of that? Yeah. So there's no more sacrifice for sin. Jesus paid it all. That's done. What there is now in deliberate sin is the cost of intimacy with him. The cost of protection from him. You say, well, wait a second. Lord said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will always protect you and, and I will be with you in this. Okay. If you think that has anything to do with your choice for lack of purity or not, you're kidding yourself. If that were the case, then the Lord needs to apologize to Paul. He needs to apologize to the apostles because they all were killed for his name's sake. Why would we be any different? It's not about him protecting your physical life just because you accepted his son as savior. In fact, he's said time and time again that we're to give our lives, our physical lives to him. And let him do with it what he wants. Because it's his plan. And we trust it because the, this, this is not my home, just like the song says, this is not my home. Right? I long for a day when I see him face to face. When I go to the place that he has prepared for me. But rest assured that deliberate 
sin that will cost you, especially in the times in which we live now, and especially unbelief. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on evidence of two or three witnesses. I just want to highlight there, dies without mercy. That does not mean God is not merciful. God is merciful, but he is just. Verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? We are not talking about unsaved people here. We are talking about the bride. This message is for the bride. These are for the ones who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And, and Hebrews goes on even beyond that. I mean, even beyond that, it says, again, verse 29, how much more worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has purveyed the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? Who? Jesus sanctified? No. By you. By you who have been sanctified. By you who have been offered and built relationship with Jesus Christ. When you give a yes at the beginning, you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you give a yes and I want to learn, I want to learn, I want to learn. And then that yes starts to become no. Because I'm getting into uncomfortable territory. I'm getting into places that Wait, this goes different than my upbringing. This goes different than, than my traditional thought. I don't have the answer myself, but my pastor says, shame on you. Your pastor wasn't the only one given a Bible. You were. Your pastor wasn't the only one given a relationship potential with Jesus Christ, you were. You cannot pin this on anyone else except you. So the relationship that you build with him has to be a constant and continual yes. When you say no, there comes friction. When you say no, whether it be through a lack of faith or sin or whatever it is, when you say no, that friction comes because God wants your yes. Period. That's what sanctification is. Sanctification is not, okay, level one sanctification. You gave your yes up to a point, so okay, you made level one, so you're, you're okay. You get to have relationship up to a point, enjoy your life, see you in heaven and you know, instead of a mansion, maybe you get a condo. <laughs> no. First of all, God wants everything. Everything. Why? Yes. Because he gave everything. He gave everything in creating you and me. He gave everything in giving his son to shed his blood for you and for me. He gave, every, gave everything so he wants Everything in return. 
in the last last part of that I should have read already, but by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. That word outraged there. That's not the same as eh, he's a little upset. Outraged is complete offense. The spirit of grace in which we are offered this, this relationship with Christ, this, this understanding of purity so that we can be close to Him. It's, it's not, it's not of works because it was what God intended in the beginning. We were never made to live in sin. That authority was given over by Adam. And because of that, we have a fight on our hands, each one of us. But we're supposed to fight that. Because God's power is greater than the power of sin. God's power is greater than the power of the enemy. And we're to fight. And when we don't, when our yes becomes a maybe or a no, It will outrage the spirit of grace that paid every drop of blood for your sanctification, for your relationship to be complete in Him. Verse 30. For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Jesus is speaking here. And he's trying to explain to the people, to his disciples and to the people, why he was here, why he came in the first place. We're going to begin at verse 49. And I want you to listen to the words. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. In other words, I came to cast fire here and I wish that there were already little fires going. That it were already ready to be turned into a raging blaze. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Jesus is saying this because he knew what was coming on the cross for him. Verse 51, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against mother, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What he's saying here is, this is what he brought for the bride. Okay, this isn't what he's bringing for the world. Because he said, the bride are those who God gave me. 
In other words, gave Jesus. And those are who he holds on to. Because no man is comes to him except drawn by God. Drawn by the Holy Spirit. So who he's talking about here in terms of this division is not the world. Every time you look at the world in the scripture, it is laced in ignorance. Because they don't even know God. They don't even know who the Messiah is. They don't even know who the Creator is. They don't even give anything in their faith to God. That's not who he's talking about. He's talking about the bride. He's talking about those who would believe, those who believe in God. He came to bring division. Because whenever the truth is instilled into a conversation, it brings division. It always does. It brings offense. The Bible says that truth brings offense. Why? Because the authority of this world is the opposite of that truth. And the authority of this world then is offended by that truth. Not just the authority of this world, but those who fall under its influence. That's why it includes the bride that should never have been there in the first place. In that belief level, in that lack of faith. That's why Jesus came to bring division among his house. And God is outside of time. Because you would think that after 2,000 years, that judgment would have already come. And it has in many small ways, and certainly individually. But it's never come on a global scale like it is now. And I'm not, I'm not the only prophet that speaks that. Even in this church, there are many. But there are many all over in terms of understanding the times in which we live. Which is exactly what he goes into next, verse 54. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? He cries that out to his bride right now. Can you not see the horizon? Can you not see the times in which we live in? Can you not see what Jesus is doing? Literally through the Holy Spirit, what the Father is doing to make Jesus' enemies his footstool, which is what he promised. I think, honestly... Now, God has full patience, but I can only imagine how tiring it must be waiting 2,000 years. I mean, he's outside of time, so to him it's a blip. For me, it's been hard enough waiting just the last few years. (laughs) I can't imagine waiting 2,000 years, but it's upon us. 
that change, that fight, that battle, that war is upon us. Victory comes right after it. It's not like we're stepping into this without knowing how it's going to turn out. I mean, it's no different than when, G, when, when God said to Israel, or to David even, go and, go and fight them and this, you'll, you'll have your victory. And then he would go and do it and have his victory. See, we know the outcome. We may, may or may not know the outcome for our individual lives. I get that. And I want to really encourage you, if that's what comes to your mind, bind fear. Fear is an open door, just like anger is an open door. The two most popular doors that Satan uses to fester unbelief. Don't be afraid. The Bible says, don't be afraid of of him who can only hurt your body. Be afraid of him who carries your soul. We don't have to be afraid. The Lord has told us how this thing ends. He's told us how this thing turns out. So he wants his bride, he wants his remnant to stand up in full faith. Open your mouths. Open your mouths. If you don't want to open your mouth, send this video out to all your friends. You can open my mouth. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what, of what the world can do. The Lord showed me many things that are coming that he's told me not to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid. What you have to be afraid of is not doing his will. And by the way, I don't mean be afraid of that and then let the enemy in. That's not what I mean. I mean, if your focus is doing his will and giving as pure a yes as you can possibly give and know how to do, that's your only responsibility. And then be obedient in what he has you do. Just as I am to do that today. So interpret the time that we're in. Know the time. Don't get caught up in your day-to-day. Don't get caught up in your career. Don't get caught up in your, your relationship or looking for a relationship. Don't get caught up in these silly little things. doesn't mean you can't enjoy them. That's not my point. God gives them to us to enjoy. Don't get caught up to where it takes your focus off of what he has. Interpret the times. Know where we are at. And I want to take you one last place, which the Lord actually gave me last week, but I believe it is for now that he wants me to say it, because there are those in the bride, and I speak to the bride. To the world, I got nothing for you. Run. But there's nowhere to run. Hide. But there's nowhere to hide. Your only hope is the hope that we know. And that is salvation through Jesus Christ. That is your hope. That's the word that I have to the world. But to the bride, 
to those who are being separated, to those who are being divided, to those who will be encompassed by fear that cannot step into the battle for fear of their own lives, for fear of themselves, I do have this word for you from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20 and 21 say this, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. For behold, the Lord is coming out from this place, from his place, to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed upon it and will no more cover its slain. The Lord has said that all will be made transparent. What is hidden in darkness will be seen because of light. And he is bringing that light to a dark place. Lord shared a word last Tuesday night that I want to share with you. A portion of it. I know we put it on God's way. Everybody in the church here knows it or, or heard it or got to see it. But there was a part of it that was specific to me. And I want to read this. Greg, my servant. Do not hold back what I have given you. I will release my power through the words I give you to say. Be ready. Hear my voice. Do what I speak to you. And I will be obedient. I want to make sure when I am done with this, we go offline. This is the end. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you when. But I speak this in obedience to the Lord. The Lord gave me a word, and then he gave me a command that I am to do. He had me write it down, so I will read it. The Lord says to Joe Biden, you have taken an authority that I have not given. You have assumed a role that was not yours to assume. You have led from this position falsely and have deceived in a movement that is not of me. Because of this, I will remove you from your throne and will bring judgment upon your deception. I speak this command as a representative of Jesus Christ. I release a warring angel of death in the spirit realm to take the life of Joe Biden in this realm. I release this spirit to perform the Lord's will in the name of Jesus. 
Father, your will be done on earth as you have designed it in heaven. Amen.